Praise the Lord. Wonderful presence on a Wednesday night. Thank you for coming out. On a wild and wet Wednesday, it reminds me of one of the last times that I spoke on a Wednesday. It was stormy and it was windy. And about five till, there was about three of us here. And we had to wait about five or ten minutes for everybody else to show up because the weather was so nasty. But uh, thank you for coming out on a Wednesday night and being in the presence of God. Um, Tonight I'm going to actually give a recycled message. I've actually done this before. Um, when When I woke up this morning, the Lord kind of impressed this on my heart. Um. It's been a hot minute since I've done this one, Um, but uh, has anybody ever been to a burger place and looked up at the menu and seen the burgers that they make, and then you find out quickly they don't make that? Have I ever done that before? You know, the, the beef is just juicy and there's just a red tomato and crispy lettuce and you get it and you want to put the poor thing out of its misery because you have no idea what they did back in the kitchen, but they didn't make that. They made whatever they gave you. Um, personally, I think that runs very close to false advertising because I want that. I don't want what you put in the box and stuck on my tray. I want that. Um, False advertising is deceptive. It's disappointing, unethical. And so uh, tonight I want to just talk a little bit about false advertising a little bit in regards to the church. And the title of this message is, are we really a united Pentecostal church? We advertise that we are a united Pentecostal church. Now we've shortened our main name to First Church, but we still call ourselves Kennett UPC. So are we really a united Pentecostal church? So to answer that question, we must define what is A united Pentecostal church. So we're going to start with perhaps the easiest to prove, and that is, are we a church? Well, duh, what are we? We have a building, it's got a steeple on it, it's got a cross on the front, we call ourselves a church, we meet every Sunday, every Wednesday, I mean, duh, we've got to be a church, right? Well, in the New Testament... The first place you find the word church is found in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus says to Simon Peter, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, which is the revelation of who he is, he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word translated as church in the New Testament is the Greek word ekklesia. And the word ecclesia could be translated as assembly. Because in the ancient world at this time, an ecclesia was an assembly of a town. 
a city. They would call out ecclesia and all of, sorry ladies, the males, because they practiced true democracy. Apparently back then you had to be like a free male, and if you were not a free male or you weren't a male, then you apparently didn't get to participate then. But They would come together and they would vote and they would make decisions, but they had to have a purpose. You couldn't just meet together and call yourselves an ecclesia. You had to meet together for a specific purpose. In fact, in the book of Acts, we read about when the Apostle Paul comes to Ephesus, there is a riot that is started because he is converting so many people that the silversmiths, whose job it is to sell idols to the town people, are losing money because they don't want those idols. They're worshiping this God that Paul is preaching about. They actually have a riot where for two hours they yell out in unison, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when everything is done, the clerk of the town says, uh, men and brethren, um, you've put us in an awful spot because I'm going to have to report to Rome what this assembly was about and nobody can tell me anything. We just got together and screamed for two hours is what I'm going to have to tell them. And so we're in danger of the Romans coming and investigating because to be a lawful assembly, you must have a purpose. You can't just come together and scream for two hours. You have to have a specific agenda. So if we are a true assembly, if we are an ecclesia, we have to come together for a purpose. We have to come together for a reason. Not just that we come together on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, but we come together wanting to see something. And I believe that's what we're here. I believe we are here to worship God. I believe we're here to give Him praise. And I believe we're here to see His will done in our lives. We've come together for a purpose. We're not just getting here because... We had nothing better to do than to get out in the pouring rain on a Wednesday night and come into a building and sit on hard benches. But we came for a purpose. When we gather together in His name, we've come together for a reason and a purpose. So if we are doing that, then I believe we meet the qualifications, at least according to the Bible, of being a church. It's not just because of the building that we're in, although we're in a beautiful building. It's not just because that's the name that we stick on the front of it. But we have come together every Sunday, every Wednesday, expecting to see God do something. We are gathered together in His name to worship, to praise Him, and to see what He has in store. So I believe at that point we are apparently a church. How many would agree that that means we're a church? So we're a church. Now the question is, are we a Pentecostal church? Are we a church that believes in the day of Pentecost? Are we a church that believes that the gifts and the infilling that was given 2,000 years ago didn't expire just because, well, all the apostles are gone, so, well, that means, you know, It has an expiration date. Um, You know, some people believe that the gifts that God gave in the Bible are kind of like 
uh, several years ago at the end of the lockdown of COVID, one of my students gave me a gift certificate to a barbecue place here in town. And uh, Sister Star and I got a hankering. We decided, well, we're going to try this place out because we've heard great things about it. We want to see what it's like. And uh, we went there and we uh, presented the uh, gift certificate. And uh, apparently this place really firmly believes that a gift certificate has an expiration on it. Didn't say it on the gift certificate itself, but they had the issue date. And apparently you only have two months to use these gift certificates or they won't accept them anymore. Um, apparently gifts can expire. I didn't know that, but apparently you can give somebody a present and tell them, hey, make sure you use this because this gift expires. Some people apparently believe that when God promised us a gift in the Bible, apparently there was an expiration date that said, please make sure you use this by the year AD 100 or it's not good anymore. But Pentecostals believe that's not the case. They believe when God says this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, that means today. We believe that the book of Acts does not end with amen because the book of Acts didn't end in 68 AD, but it's still going on today. Tonight we're writing yet another page in the Acts of the Apostles. We believe that the Spirit still moves, that He still changes lives, that miracles still take place. That when it says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues, that that gift is for us today as well how many believes that God's gifts are still for us today how many believes that we are a Pentecostal church we're not Pentecostal because that's the name that we've got on the sign or because that's the organization that we are part of but we are Pentecostal by experience it's not just because well once upon a time brother so and so spoke in tongues and so we're Pentecostal but it's even to this day, anyone can come into this church and they can feel the presence of God. They can come to an altar and they can be filled with the greatest gift ever given. And with that, their lives can be for time and eternity changed. And if we believe that and we practice it, that's not just saying we believe it, we have to practice it. Then we are a Pentecostal. Church, we are an assembly that believes in the power of Pentecost. But then comes the real test, and that is, are we a united Pentecostal church? And I don't mean that in saying, are we affiliated with a group that calls themselves the United Pentecostal Church International, but are we as a church, as a body, United, not just Pentecostal, but united in our Pentecostal beliefs. The book of Acts chapter 2 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all with one accord and in one place. The Greek word that is translated with one accord 
occurs 12 times in the New Testament. And it is an interesting Greek term. This is what the commentators say. They say it is an interesting, it is a unique Greek term. Because the word that is translated with one accord, if I can pronounce it because I speak English goodly some days if it's a good day, is homothymodon. Homothymodon is the word that is translated as one accord. And the image that is presented by this word in Greek um, almost matches the same expression as another Greek word that can be translated into English as arpeggio. And an arpeggio is simply a chord that is played. The image that is conjured by this word in Greek could be translated as when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in harmony and in one place. They were in harmony with one another. Those of you who may have taken music in high school or maybe you've had experience with music may recognize that in order for harmony to exist, the singers cannot sing the same note. Each singer has to sing a separate, different note, but they sing them together. And the blending of the different notes together creates the harmony that we hear. Because God created us to be his body. He created us to be his church, but he created us as an individual. And our God excels in the individual. Every single one of us he has placed into his body, but he has put us in a unique place in his body. The human body is composed of thousands of individual parts that do not look like one another and do not function as one another. Every person has two eyes, two ears, one mouth, one nose that is actually divided into two parts, two halves of a brain, two hands, ten fingers, two legs, ten toes. And they all perform a separate function. The eye does something different than the ear. The nose performs a different function than the mouth. The heart performs a different function than the pinky toe. But Paul said, how can the heart say to another part of the body, well, you're not the heart, so get out of here. Or how can the eye say to the ear, well, you don't look like I do, so you're just not a part of the body. Most of us don't give much thought to our pinky toe but I can assure you that at about 2.30 in the morning when the house is dark and you decide you're not going to turn the light on, you know exactly where every piece of furniture in your house is. And you decide you're going to walk across, your pinky toe will find the coffee table. 
And in the moment that your pinky toe finds the coffee table, I promise you, your hands don't say, well, you're not a hand, so I don't care. The instant your pinky toe finds that coffee table, your whole body recognizes where that pinky toe is and realizes it is definitely a part of the body and your whole body goes into overdrive to figure out that that pinky toe is okay. Your brain will immediately say, hey, he's down there and he's hurting. Your hands will immediately go down and grab it. Your knee will jerk up to get it out of harm's way, even though you, you knew where that coffee table was. In that instant, the pinky toe performs a very vital role in the body and the whole body recognizes that. There are diseases where the human body will attack itself because it's mixed up and confused. And it tries to attack a different part of it. And those diseases can cause chaos in the body. I dare say to come tonight and say that every single one of you is in the body. And perhaps you don't have the same function as someone else does. Perhaps your place in the body you may feel insignificant. You may feel like all you are is, you're not even the pinky toe, you're that little nail that's on the pinky toe. I mean, what good do you do? But I can assure you, your place in the body is put there to help the body. And it's one we recognize that and realize that I am not you. And we are not him. And he is not her. But together, if we do our part, united. Different, but doing what we can together, we can be in harmony with one another. And every time that a body of believers comes together recognizing their differences, but recognizing together... God can do something, harmony results. And where harmony results, the Spirit can move. Because we can be a church that is here for a purpose. We can be a Pentecostal church and we can believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But if we are not united, if we don't recognize that ultimately everything that we do together is for His glory and for him, then we hurt ourselves. We close off an avenue where he can move and where his spirit can minister to us. We must be a united Pentecostal church. Not just because it's on the website or because it's on Facebook or because it eventually goes on the sign and says, we're a united Pentecostal church. But we're a united Pentecostal church because we are working together in harmony. The United States of America consists of 50 different states that are all different. And... You can't convince me Missouri looks like California. There are days that I'm very thankful for that. Illinois does not look like Florida. Iowa doesn't look like Hawaii. 
We're all different. But together, not focusing on the differences, but allowing those differences to work together, we can do great things. And as a church, we can focus on the fact that we're different. Or we can say, God has placed me here and I'm going to sing my part. And if I sing my note, while you're singing your note, we can make beautiful harmony. And we can be united. And when we're working together, His Spirit says, I can do great things. So the question tonight is, are we really a united Pentecostal church? Is it just something that we say or is it something that we do? Do we realize that, yes, we're a church, we have a purpose. Are we Pentecostal? Do we allow His Spirit to move freely? But are we like they were in the Acts of the Apostles? Because they were in harmony. They were in one accord. And they were in one place. That doesn't mean every single one of them was identical. I was talking to Sister Sheila and I said, I really have a hard time believing that they were all identical because in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were with one accord in one place. You don't go many chapters into the book of Acts and they're fussing at one another because something ain't getting done the way that somebody thought that it should. And you go a few more chapters and two of them just... They just leave one another. They just say, well, you take so-and-so and and you go your way and I'll take so-and-so and and I'll go my way. And they just separate from one another because the contention, the Bible says, is so great. But I'm sure that even in the midst of their disagreement, they said, you know what, we're still going to work together. We may not be able to do it exactly the way that we have always done it, but we're going to do it for the glory of God. And God's going to bless no matter what. Because God blesses. Over a hundred years ago, the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody was in a meeting and he said, You know what? The world has not seen yet what God can do through a group of believers who will just sell out to him And unite in his will. You know what? I believe the world can see what can happen. Because I believe we can do it. Are we a united Pentecostal church? Genuinely, I believe we are. I don't want to be guilty of false advertising. I don't want to be the church equivalent of McDonald's. I don't want to be the church equivalent of some restaurant that advertises one thing and then puts out something different. But I want to say we're a united Pentecostal church. And because we're united, His Spirit moves in a powerful way and can transform every life that enters here. Let's be united. Doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. Doesn't mean we have to see eye to eye. It just simply means that we recognize our differences and we say, you know what? We're going to do it together for His glory. And when we do that, 
He's going to take what we give and use it in a beautiful, harmonious way. Let's pray that the Lord will help us to do that. Lord, we love you. And I'm thankful for your word. And your word says that the first time your spirit was poured out, your followers were with one accord and in one place. They weren't identical. They weren't carbon copies of one another. They were individuals. But they came for one purpose, and that was to see your spirit poured out, your promise given. Lord, we pray that just as they were united on the day of Pentecost, we would be a united Pentecostal church. God, we don't have to be identical. We don't have to be exactly the same. You've made us all different, but you've put us in your body, in your church for a purpose. And God, when we do our purpose together, when we sing our individual notes together, it produces a marvelous harmony that can attract this entire world and attract your spirit to do mighty things. I pray, Lord, for unity. I pray that we would be united, not in name alone, but we would be united truly in spirit. And that unity would allow your presence, your Holy Spirit, to do mighty things that it otherwise could not do. This is our prayer tonight, God. Help us, Lord, to do it. In Jesus' name we ask it.